and welcome to this bonus episode of the Her Story Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Andrea, and I'm just so thrilled to share this conversation with you today. Now, in case you're wondering why I describe some episodes as bonuses, it's just simply because I've already had the guest on for a past episode, but I've invited them back to dive deeper into a topic in their story. My guest today was on the podcast for the first time in November of 2020 to share her story. Little did I know then that Patricia Taylor and I would continue to talk and connect, and a year later, our friendship would grow to become one of the closest, most cherished friendships I have, that I would have the privilege and honor of meeting her family and celebrating her 40th birthday with her this November. There's so much more to Patricia's story than what we shared in our first conversation, and so much has changed and evolved for her in just the last year of her life. So I invited her back to talk about all of this and the significance that turning 40 represents to her. Patricia has long been a woman who believes in Jesus, loving all our neighbors, and having critical conversations around racial justice with grace and honesty. But now more than ever, she's owning her voice and taking up space in this arena. She's learned through the past year of shrinking who she is to make others more comfortable, that she can no longer be true to herself by fitting in the acceptable boxes. So in this episode, we talk about how she's owning her voice and taking up space as a full black woman. She shares about her worst fears coming true for speaking up and the sacrifice it's taken to be fully herself without sacrificing who she is. We also talk about the boundaries she set up in her life, finding faith in the wilderness, and she shares advice with other women, especially black women, who are looking to own their voice, to speak up, and to take up space. So, listen in on our conversation. I'm just going to say we're recording now. Is that okay? Because I'm afraid we're going to get to talking and I'm going to be like, wait, 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 stop. I know, we're going to like catch up on life. Yes, that's fine. (laughs) Okay, so... We are officially recording. Patty, I can call you Patty, right? (laughs) Yeah, you can, of course. (laughs) We are that level now. So welcome to the Her Story. Welcome back to the Her Story Speaks podcast, Patty. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited. I know that the audience can't see, but I'm cheesing because I can see your face and I miss you. (laughs) I know we've been really spoiled to get to see quite a lot of each other the last few months. And it Mm -hmm. seems like it's already been too long since we last saw each other, November 14th on your birthday, Yes, Um, which that's what we're (laughs) going to dive into today because you turned 40 and we're going to talk about you being 40 black (laughs) woman, owning your space, owning your voice, taking up space, all of that. But I want to say, I was looking, Patty, and the first time that we recorded, or the first time we interviewed and it aired was November 20th of 2020. Wow. I did not know that was a year ago. I did not either. I was curious this morning. I'm like, when did her and I last talk? And so at that time, that was the first time meeting on the screen. And it was, we were by formal names, Patricia. Right. Um, (laughs) Patricia Taylor. And now a year later, it's Patty. (laughs) That's right. Um, So I just am in shock. I, I, when I question of God and creator, I mean, seeing this friendship and the ones we've developed in the last year, mm-hmm. like, I am reminded of God's goodness and provision. I know it's come with loss for both of us to be where we are in our friendship and with others, but I'm like, wow, in a year we have been able to meet and have our families meet and hang out. And then to celebrate your 40th birthday with you was such a gift. So I'm just, I'm really grateful to be in your life and to have you in mind, Patty. Oh, I feel the same way. I don't know how many people know, but like I've been to your house. Like you said, our families have been together and it's such a timely reminder to, to look back, you know, and not Mm -hmm. always with this, this fear or this shame of like what didn't happen or what you didn't accomplish, but look back and see, gosh, I've grown, you know, and a lot has changed and it's been painful in ways for both of us, like you mentioned, but I mean, my goodness, I'm so happy that you're in my life. (laughs) And that that started a year ago. That just blows my mind. (laughs) It really, really is just incredible. And even I know when we spoke a year ago, it was just kind of listening to that conversation. We talked about just your first stepping out Mm -hmm. with your blog and sharing more thoughts about anti-racism work and Black Lives Matter. And I feel like you're a different woman than you were a year ago, Patty. Like you were kind of just starting to come into your own and your voice. And now a year later, I'm like, wow, she is even 
she's stronger and firmer in who <laughs> she is. And again, it's come with a lot of hurt and loss though. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that today, but before we dive in, Patty, for people that don't somehow don't know you or didn't listen before, or didn't listen to your recent episodes, just share in a nutshell who you are. Cause you wear even more hats than you did this time last year. You've got more going on. So right. share who you are, where you live, all of that. Right. First of all, you all should know me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you don't know her, where have you been? Just turn it where off right now. Been? What rock have you been living under? That's Hello. Right. <laughs> just, just go now. If you don't already know her. Oh my goodness. But no, really keep listening. No. Uh, well, yes, I am Patricia or Patty Taylor, but my Instagram handle is um, at Patricia underscore a underscore Taylor. So when people do like meet me, you know, on the gram or, you know, for the first time, like they see Patricia, but you know, my friends call me Patty. So, um, but anyway, so I'm actually from the Bay area, California, but have lived outside of Atlanta, uh, for the last going on seven years in January, it'll be seven years since we've been in Georgia and a lot has happened during that time. One of the highlights is that I work for Be The Bridge, which is a phenomenal organization that, again, all of you who are listening should know about. (laughs) And we uh, provide uh, racial equity and education um, towards racial justice and reconciliation for both faith-based and values-based organizations and curriculum. And I am the director of programs for Be The Bridge. I also uh, co-host a podcast with three other phenomenal women called Upside Down Podcast. I've had such an honor of being able to do some writing for Sesame Street and community. I was going to bring that up. If you didn't, I was like, no, she's got to toot her horn on this one because this is huge. It was just just released all you've done for Sesame Street and what you've written for. So keep, keep going. I interrupted that. Yes. yes. No, no, no. It, it was, it, it was a big deal. It was a course that I, that I wrote that can be found on their, on their workshop. So I'm sure everything will be linked and I feel like I'm forgetting something, but probably not. Cause I just talk a bunch. So I'm no, like stopping myself. What about the book? I mean, I know you've talked a little bit about oh, yeah. the upcoming oh, book, yes, but we, yes. I mean, that's still way in the works, but still that's, that's way in the works, but I, yes, I, uh, am, the very beginning stages of writing my proposal and it's, yeah, it's exciting. So much to look forward to, which mm-hmm. to be honest, like everything that I just named the way that this year started, I just could not have seen coming like from the yeah. friendship that you and I have and with the other women that we are so fortunate to call friend. to these opportunities that I've had, like, I, I really couldn't see it. You know, I just, I couldn't see it. Yeah. And now I think we're we need here. to do like a year check-in. Like we're going to talk again next November because mm-hmm. seeing what a year brought, I mean, yes. a lot of hard too, but a lot of really good, amazing work because you are willing to sacrifice things. Mm-hmm. I mean, really to raise your voice and do the work that you do. And that's what we'll talk a little bit about today. So as we brought up, you just celebrated your 40th birthday that we all got together in Atlanta. (laughs) It was um, just an amazing, awesome weekend celebrating you, Patty. But that's what I want to talk about today is you being 40 and what that means to you, what that signifies, and finally kind of feeling like owning who you are. So share just a little bit what you want, because I know 40 also brings some hard with it, with knowing the age that your dad passed. So mm-hmm. if you want to talk about the both and right now that you're feeling turning yeah, 40. Absolutely. So, uh, as Andrea mentioned, we were all together for my birthday just a couple weeks ago, but prior to that, we were together in North Carolina and I had had all these like thoughts rolling around in my mind prior to that trip, just processing, knowing that my birthday was coming. It's a milestone. It, it felt mm-hmm. very significant for a number of reasons but it wasn't until I was sitting on the dock on this like beautiful, cool morning, um, overlooking the water of where we Lake Norman, (laughs) um, (laughs) that it just something clicked during our conversation. And what I realized is that I, I look forward to, to growth and to age and to growing older. And when I turned 30, I always pictured like I would have some big, you know, like 30th birthday bash and like, mm-hmm. woohoo. But I was pregnant and had been married for uh, just over a year, about a year and a half. And um, it, things looked very different, but I was so content. Like it was everything that I, I wanted. Like I was married. I was carrying my first child. We had a very, very low key, like staycation instead of like the party I once envisioned, but I was totally happy. And it was just, I felt like 
things were lining up and I was where I was supposed to be. And then when we moved, there was, I mean, so much transition happened, just losing family members and and that physical move from California to Georgia, just certain plans that we had, right? The best laid plans (laughs) Uh, just did not go the way that we thought, but more so like on an introspective level, I recognized, and this is what clicked in October, that for the last few years, I have been shrinking myself or Mm -hmm. or being a a part of me, realizing whether it was conscious or not, that I, I didn't feel like I could fully be me in the spaces that I was in. You know, a lot of what I shared in our very first conversation was, was my fear, you know, and speaking up and speaking out on this topic, because I was so aware of where I was and who I was around and what they might think or what they might say. And I put that above what I knew God had put in me. Um, And then even though I, I pushed past that to, to do what I'm doing, I realized that in more subtle ways, that fear was still showing up and I was still uh, being a version of myself that I knew was more, you know, acceptable and was really being tokenized to make my white counterparts comfortable. Yeah. And, and when that clicked, because I had gone to, I was sharing a story of going to someone else's 30th birthday party and we all took turns to like share wisdom of our thirties and someone who's my same age. Uh, about to be 40 had mentioned how the thirties was just so enlightening and she grew so much and she was so much herself. And I was like, that doesn't really ring true for me. Like maybe the way the decade started, but Mm -hmm. that's not how I'm feeling now. (laughs) And I was Uh like, is it just me? Like, okay. Uh I mean, everyone has Uh their own journey, but that's when it, it hit me. So I hope you're tracking with me, but like, I totally am because I relate to so many parts of your story. I mean, I really, I really do. I would have said the same in my thirties. Such like such parallel Mm -hmm. stories. We really Mm do in so many ways, but yeah. So it, it was like, what am I missing? And I'm like, wait, I'm missing me. Like I'm not yeah. actually being me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not that I was like being fake or, or just, you know, like, again, like being consciously aware of like, I'm going to act this way or act that way. But I realized I wasn't being fully who, who I was a toned down version of yourself and yes. still keeping a lot inside, and still yes. keeping a lot inside and still carrying that fear, you know, uh, even if I didn't vocalize it as much, or even if I was still like pressing forward, it was still, it was still there. And, yeah. and so when it came to turning 40, I just kept thinking no more, mm-hmm. seriously, no more. Like mm-hmm. I have, I have shrunk and it hasn't gotten me anywhere. And then mm-hmm. I have been my full self and I have lost a lot of people. Like this year started out with loss, like yeah. in major ways. And, but you know, what is ending with new, better friendships and yeah. relationships with people who see me and love me and accept me fully for who I am, not the dim right. down, you know, version that makes them comfortable. And so I just really felt like I wanted to embrace it. I wanted to, it to be special. I wanted to mark it as, as, you know, a new chapter. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was also sad because my dad passed away when he was 48 from cancer. So and he died two days after my 28th birthday. So it was, yeah, it really is the both and because that's a big part of like why I, I go so big on my birthdays because my mm-hmm. dad always made them special. It was never about how much money he spent. Most of our parties were at our house. He just like had the best themes and we decorated yeah. and had like, he was just the life of the party. So birthdays were always a big deal in the house, but also knowing that loss and, and at such a young age, like we really do have one life to live. Like I yeah. want to be so yeah. like, I want to celebrate the fact that I am here. You yeah. know, I I'm here. Like we, every single day there is loss. I mean, we know this globally and in, in our nation, but there's someone that we know or someone, you know, six degrees of separation, someone that, you know, we know they know someone. And I just want to celebrate that. This is me. This is a new chapter. It's a new age. It's a new decade. And I don't want to keep wasting time being what other people want me to be. Like, I want to be who God created me to be and work on loving myself and, and work on the ways I am a fully flawed human, (laughs) but not letting that, you know, diminish any part of who I am and surrounding myself with people who see me 
love me and accept me and aren't asking me to change or be something different. Your story is so much about holding the both in. Cause even when you shared, you know, that picture of your 40th, I'm like, I love that. I love the joy, but I also know there's some pain behind that. Cause that's not the group of friends that you envisioned there. Right. Last right. year turning mm-hmm. 30, because that was, that was a loss for you because starting to raise your voice, speak out, have a tone that maybe wasn't so pleasant to, to your, to your white friends that, that, that was a loss. And that, that was what you feared. I'm guessing when you, you're talking a lot about fear is, was that the fear for speaking out for being fully you? What do you think that fear was that? Absolutely. Um, you know, relationships matter so much to me and I feared that things would change and Mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened. You know, the very, this is, you know, what I shared a little bit about this in our mutual friend Monica's podcast, you know, the very thing that I feared is what happened. Um, The people who said, who were there with me when I shared, I I really feel like I need to do this. I feel like I I, like, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, we got you. We support you. We're we're there. We're dropping off cards during the, you know, great supposed awakening of 2020. And we're bringing you gifts and we're bringing you candy. We're doing all the things. And then a couple months later, uh, you know, it's, it's, oh, uh, I, I don't like the way that, that you said that it gave me mm-hmm. pause. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, sorry, but did you examine why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And so then it just became me being the problem, uh, because they didn't want to examine themselves and, and work together towards a solution. Or, you know, it's just that like very backhanded compliment of, uh, I believe in you, but you should do it this way. Right. Like I believe in right. you, but the way you're doing it is making me uncomfortable. And th- and I'm referring to white friends, white male right. leader and white female friends. One of which actually told me, you know, after a conversation where it was very upsetting talking about these things, um, that it was just too much for her and she like tapped yeah. out. <laughs> so that yeah. should have been a sign, but you know, you hold on to relationships and people that you think are there for you because you want, you want to believe people when they say that, that they, that they believe in you and that they, um, that they value you and who you are and that they see, um, like what, what you're doing and and what God is doing through you, but it doesn't always pan out that way. So I really was not sure how I would celebrate my birthday (laughs) Uh, because yeah, all those plans that I had, you know, made a couple of years ago, even before, even before, uh, COVID, you know, these, this was, you know, my, my same friend group that I've had for years. So we, we talked about like, this is how we'll celebrate this big milestone birthday. And, but then you and these other phenomenal women, we know slipped in and it was incredible. (laughs) We did. It was divine intervention that, that somehow we came together to celebrate you, but I know neither of us would change that. When you're talking though, I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, you, you started making people uncomfortable, wanted you to change your tone, lower your voice. And I think, you know, I'm turning 46 this week. There's a point where you realize as a woman, especially as a black woman, you got to choose yourself or others. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing you felt that too, finally, where it's like, am I, am I going to choose to make others comfortable or am I going to choose to just shrink myself for the rest of my life? So I think that was a turning point for you and both of us, really. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, doing the work that I do with Be The Bridge and even before I came on staff with them and just, you know, doing my own like anti-racism education, there are people who are in so many different places on this journey mm-hmm. and really that's okay. Like, I'm not just saying that to, to make people feel better. This is a lifelong journey. So you're, we're not all going to enter into this anti-racist space in the same way with the same knowledge, with the same level of understanding, and it's going to be constantly learning and unlearning. And that goes for, for me too. And so it wasn't about, you know, oh, well, they just don't know enough. So, mm-hmm. so I can't be, you know, we can't be friends. It was in the process of them criticizing me constantly because they were not willing to sit with their discomfort. They were hurting me. Right. right. And, and, and that's when it clicked, like, wait, I'm being hurt. I'm being harmed. Right. And I don't have to keep doing this. You know, I, I don't have to be a martyr. This doesn't mean that I'm giving up on people. This doesn't mean I'm giving up on, on the mission to, you know, see uh, racial reconciliation happen here on earth and, and see justice and, and do what I can in my little corner of the internet or in my community to, to make things happen and push 
forward towards change, but do I have to be hurt and by people right. who say they love me in the process? And when I, when I could be honest enough to say, no, I don't, then I was able to let it go and not easily by any means, but it was that realization of we've crossed the line here. Like I am, I now am on the line, like, like my dignity, right. my worth, my humanity, my, my feelings, my pain, my words, my vision, my ideas. I mean, there would be times where I would get DMs from, you know, these certain mm -hmm. people from church and questioning like so many posts that I would share. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, and then I, I didn't realize until I was free from that, how much it shut me down, you know, right. and how much I would just be like, oh, oh my gosh, like, are they going to think that this is this or that is that? And am I going to get a DM and, oh, you know, and so, just, yes. And I'm guessing as a black woman, you have to work a hundred times harder to fight that voice that no, I, my, I'm worth it. Like I matter. I, I shouldn't be hurt. I'm worth it. My comfort, my life it's it's worth it to fight that I'm guessing because for just a white woman it's hard so you as a black woman I'm guessing it's so much harder oh absolutely like I constantly think of the Malcolm X quote that the black woman is the most disrespected woman in America and nothing has changed about that you know I've I've had conversations with people and then they've gone and talked to someone else who wasn't black and yeah. said the very same things that I've said and then suddenly it, it was okay you know, right. and that's just one of right. many examples. So it's like your words aren't, or, you know, you're not considered credible or because you are rightfully, righteously angry mm -hmm. about injustice, mm -hmm. you know, uh, then it's, oh, you're, you're angry now. Now, you know, I can't handle that. You're, you're angry. Calm down, please. For my comfort. Wait, wait, right. wait, what? Like I've focused so much on the last couple of weeks since my birthday on joy, because I have to really mm -hmm. work hard to lean into joy, like intentionally and to really accept and, and believe that joy is resistance. And, and so I've just loved like, you know, just sharing that joy <laughs> and those pictures and those posts never get as much as the sad things and the hard things. But I, I share them anyways, because in the midst of that, you know, celebrating my birthday, there was still Julius Jones with his life hanging on the line. Mm -hmm. There was still Kyle Rittenhouse, who just recently posed with a picture with 45 walking free after mm -hmm. murdering people. There was still the murderers of Ahmaud Arbery on trial and the defense attorney making racist, callous, yeah. horrifying yeah. comments to try to justify the lynching of this young black man. Mm -hmm. So these things continue. These things don't change. They don't go away. And so for me, when those situations happen, it really does something to me on a lot of levels. But one thing I think about are these people who are no longer in my life, who are more concerned with how I approached this, the topic because of my tone, bringing them discomfort they weren't willing to sit with or examine rather than looking at the why. Yeah. And I've said this before, right. and I will keep saying this, but why, but why are you expecting me to have some kind of diminished emotional capacity or response to something that I have every right to be very upset about? Like this is something that my therapist <laughs> needs to remind me of. And it's so true. So, so taking that into consideration of, it's not just processing these horrific incidents, but knowing that I'm being scrutinized for how I'm processing these horrific incidents, it's just so draining. And it, and it's like, my goodness, if you would especially just spend the church, you know, yes, like especially these are all people in the church. And, and I just mm -hmm, think if mm -hmm. only you would spend more time trying to tear down the status quo and examining the way the whiteness is embedded in you and dismantling white supremacy, we can link arms together to do that. But no, no, no. You want to spend your time and your energy and your effort making sure that I know that I sounded angry to you or that this post gave you pause. Right, right. But I can't trust you because your tone has made me upset. It's it's right. mind boggling. And this is real logic. life things. This that is like real life things. This is not like yeah. this is yeah. not hyperbole. This has actually happened. It was said to me, and you know, you know. But this is really just the tip of the iceberg. But I bring all that up because joy is what I I, I have to fight for. You. you know, you. I have to fight for that joy, and and sometimes it can be very this this year has been very disorienting. In a lot of ways, it's gotten a lot better, but to have friends and relationships come to a very hard and painful and abusive in one situation end, and then to have like people like you who are like, 
I, you're amazing. I'm so happy that you're my friend. <laughs> like let's do life together. And I'm like, wait, 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 are you sure? You know, are you sure? And it just can bring so right. much doubt right. of like, but these people right. who claim they that they know me and they claim that they, they, mm-hmm. they love me and they actually physically did do life with me for years. They didn't no. see the good in me. They stopped seeing the good in me. So how can I trust this person does? How have you wrestled with your, I'm curious with your faith through that. Cause we're both in a, you know, this was spiritual abuse, people that you knew in the church. Yeah. Because I think that is a similar boat so many people are in, you know, myself included, not spiritual abuse, but being in a church and witnessing, well, this is not what I think Jesus would do. Yeah. Not brown Jesus, at least. And so I'm, I'm <laughs> done with the church for a while. And so I know we find ourselves in similar situations there. How has your faith, has it struggled? Has it evolved? If you don't mind sharing a little bit of that. And I didn't give you a heads up for that. So no, it's okay. I think it's all part of, you know, just where I am and, and the growth mm-hmm. that I'm, that I'm really fighting for. Uh, and I've done a, a lot of unlearning. Mm-hmm. I've had to, there's never one time been a doubt in my mind that Jesus is real and that I, yeah. that God is real, but there have been a lot of doubts and questions about how people walk out their faith and force others to, in the way that they do so and claim that it's good and say that it's Jesus and say that it's God. And I've realized that there are times that I have for sure been complicit in the same things that I am now healing from. And it's been really painful because it, it, you know, your, your world, at least for me, and I know you can relate to this for so many years is wrapped up in your church community. Like this Mm -hmm. is our schedule. This is our life. This is like Saturday night, we're getting ready for church on Sunday. Yeah. After church Sunday, we're getting together with people. We're fellowshipping. Wednesday night, we're having small group or Bible study. Throughout the week, we're doing this. We're doing that planning. Or I'm on this leadership team. I'm I'm doing praise and worship. So I have rehearsal this day. You know, it is all wrapped up. And then when it's not there anymore, it feels like a piece of you has really been lost. And and not that God isn't still near. Not that Jesus is any less real. I feel like Jesus is even more real to me now than ever. But it does feel like it's another part of the grief and loss because Sundays, my friend Kayla called it the Sunday sads <laughs> uh, because I, I, you know, I, I reached out to her just this past Sunday because it was a tough day. And you and I have talked on Sundays before and be like, Sundays are just hard. And, and she was like, I'm sorry that you have the Sunday sads. I'm like, that's the perfect way to put it because, you know, there's something that has always been there or for as long as you can remember. I mean, I, I didn't come out the womb praising Jesus. <laughs> you know, I came to know the Lord in college, but still it's been over 20 years of my life. Well, yeah, actually like right at 20 years. So like half my life being in church actively, not just a participant, but like an active leader, member, minister, doing all the things. And then for that to be gone, it's really had, I really had to be rooted in, in who I am and be reminded that God is with me, even Mm -hmm. as I am journeying. And even as I am in the wilderness and reframing the wilderness is not some like horrid place where I'm going to get lost and swallowed up whole and, and, and like lose my faith forever, but a place where I'm going to be able to explore and, and discover more authentically who Christ is and realize with my eyes wide open that the wilderness really isn't as lonely because there are a lot of us out there and that my faith can still be so rooted and grounded in who brown Jesus and God of the scriptures is and not what white male or white Jesus says it should be. And actually, it's funny that I said that word rooted because I forgot that's my word of the year. (laughs) It was rooted. And I was like, oh, yeah, 2021, 2021. Yes, is rooted. I'm like, yeah, that definitely was applicable all year to fight. So to know who I am, you know, I had to, yeah. I just had to fight. And you're like, so damn, hard. I didn't want it to be so painful though. Right. This is not what I had in mind to be rooted. <laughs> like, did it have to happen like this though? Mm, that's funny. <laughs> you could have skipped so, some steps. <laughs> so as you're talking, I know there's other listeners, or I know there's people listening that are in a similar shoes as you, maybe similar shoes that you were a year or two ago, finding their voice, especially black women, finding their voice, just now speaking up, afraid of what they might lose. What would be advice that you would have for them as their women? I mean, especially black women, because I think it's harder for you to just own it and speak up and find your voice. So what advice would you have? Yeah, I think that, oh, that's like a multifaceted question. I would even Mm -hmm. say like for me personally, it was hard to own it. I think for 
others, maybe it's not hard to own it, but there's a knowing that that in a world that's founded upon white supremacy, it won't be readily accepted. And, and that is just a big deterrent. But I would say that your voice matters and you have worth beyond what anyone could give you. And it is not for anyone to tell you <laughs> what you should or should not be speaking into, what you should be advocating for. And the really and truly the best knowing is, is from yourself and the Lord, if these listeners are, are believers. And if not, you know, just know yourself because no matter what you do, no matter what you do, there's going to be someone who doesn't like it. No matter who you are, there's going to be, there's going to be someone who even for me, like, yeah, oh, my tone, whatever. There are people who think that I'm too, maybe I'm not firm enough in the way that I approach right, things. So there's, right. there's going to be people from all over the, the spectrum who are like, oh, you're, you're spending too much time, you know, catering to this and, or there, you're not doing enough to speak out for this. But I would say that for me, that when I started speaking, the number one thing that gives me hope and keeps me going is when I hear from other black women who say thank mm -hmm. you for saying the thing that I have been thinking and have wanted to say but I even either haven't been able to articulate it or I don't feel like I'm in a safe space mm -hmm. to do so or I thought I was the only one and people say I just I really thought something was wrong with me and so I share that because what if we can multiply that what if we could share our truths what if we could share the truth and let other black women and other women know that we're not alone like and 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 let that be a chain reaction that is greater and stronger and more significant and more impactful and more powerful than any of the naysayers and anyone who is letting their fear or their pride or their fragile egos or their whiteness or their lack of flexibility or their lack of willingness to just learn and listen. Like really right. the whole, you know, popular phrase, like thoughts and prayers, but to actually learn and listen to someone else's mm -hmm. real lived experience. You know what? This is something I'm still working on, but let them be where they are. Let them do mm -hmm. them. And don't let th that stop you from being exactly who you were born to be because mm, at powerful. 40 I'm I'm like gosh what time have I wasted being so afraid of 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 a man about what people oh. would think of me how long have I spent being insecure and you're what, six and years what, ahead of me Patty I'm 46 <laughs> and I feel like I'm just now getting on the train here like it's so frustrating it's a but... process it is a frustration and then, uh, you know both of us have daughters too and I just think like gosh I don't want my girls to to doubt themselves the way that I've doubted myself yeah and that's a big motivator for me I know it is yeah, for you too it, like it really I want is. my daughters to see their mother as someone that's taking up space owning her voice mm -hmm. because that's gonna ripple to them right right and and you know I think as black women in particular we just carry such additional burden of mm -hmm. being strong all the time or working like you said earlier extra hard to come across a certain way that's the that's deemed acceptable um and it's just it's so it's so much work right um but and I wanted I'm glad you said that because even as I was writing my notes I don't want the message to be like now I'm a strong black woman like that is not like what yeah. you're claiming and holding on to it's more just owning your voice and being fully right. fully you and, and being, sometimes being that's whole. right that's exactly it and sometimes yeah. that's resting and being weak and mm -hmm. not having to having to hold it all. So right. one thing you just said that it brings me to a question that I have is you said I'm working on being okay with letting people just be how they are. And that reminds me of a boundary. And Monica and I talked about this yesterday, like part of this fully becoming and owning who you are is just setting these full boundaries. So I'm guessing that's something you've had to do and you're working on. So do you mind talking about that? Like maybe some boundaries that you're becoming aware of that you're intentionally setting in your own life or you're working on to, to nurture yourself and to keep yourself whole? Oh yes. <laughs> boundaries. We actually <laughs> just, we just released a, a podcast episode about boundaries with upside oh, you down. You did? Okay. And, I'm going to have to listen such that. Yeah, but it was a it was a great conversation because all four of us from our different backgrounds and experiences were really talking through it, you know, because it's boundaries are so mm. not for everybody, but for me and I think for you, it could be so hard. So and I, and hard. I, like I'm just getting tense thinking about right. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I think that oh, there's so much I can say about this, but I will start by saying that boundaries have been an active form of self-care for me mm. this year. And I've had boundaries in place in ways I never thought I would need them or want them. Things I, I thought I would always feel guilty about. And I was like, no, because it's not sustainable for me to do, for me to go on like this. I had a, a page for years and years before stepping into this 
space to do anti-racism work. And I never took an intentional like weekend even off of, of social media, like unplugged or, uh, you know, took the apps off my phone. And that's something that I've needed to do regularly in this space because it's a lot. And I've changed up the comments in this in the settings of my posts, which Instagram is a whole other conversation, but it diminishes, or at least I'm told or I've understood that it can diminish your reach and this and that. But I just always pray and trust that whoever needs to read my words will read them and see them. But it wasn't worth it to have, you know, when you do have a post that reaches out in the interwebs, then it just brings out the trolls. It brings out just nastiness. And I'm like, mm. I do not have time or nor do I have right. a desire to even entertain this. And then when it comes to like in real life, I just, I had to tell some people that I love you, but you're too close to the people who have hurt me. And I'm not asking you to choose, even though they did in essence make a choice, you know, but I'm not asking you to choose or I'm not asking you to leave, but I'm telling you that because this is where you are, this is where I need to be. And I need time and space. That's right. And, and that was, that's terrifying because you don't know where that's going to lead you, you know, and best case scenario, there'll be a light bulb moment and, and I'm here and I choose you. And that's not what happened, you know, in my Mm -hmm. situation, Mm -hmm. but I knew for my healing, I had to, I've had to, you know, unfollow people or mute people and not out of being nasty or facetious, but because I need to protect myself and protect my heart and protect my eyes from the things that I'm seeing and and saying, wow, like, that's so great. They're all hanging out together. I used to be there. And now I, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, they forgot about me. It's really personal. It just, it's painful. I'm human. And I do think, especially for black women, when people who are following those of us who do like anti-racism education, particularly, or who are outspoken, online or you would consider an activist or an advocate. I do think that there is something particularly with white women that forgets that we're human and just wants to just wants to take and wants to just like view us as resources so that they can absolve themselves of their white guilt and be like, oh, but look, I'm following this like amazing black woman and I'm doing all the things I'm reading all the books. But like, don't forget that I'm human, too. And I'm going through what you don't see online is me raising three kids. What you don't see online is, is, you know, me trying to like be a good partner, a good wife to, to my husband of almost 12 years. Right. What you don't see is me transitioning from a part-time contracted position to a full-time job, my first in a decade. Right. You know, what you don't see is me feeling the loss of my local community and, and missing relationships and being in counseling and going to therapy and really working on that, that healing actively. So there is so much that again, the whole black woman, sorry, I interrupted you there, but I'm thinking like, that's Mm -hmm. what so many times we as white women don't see is like, you are a whole black woman and that's what you're working to be in your forties. Not just this little bit that you see online. It's exactly whole, whole woman. Exactly. Whether, you know, whatever I choose to share or not online is, is my business. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. a boundary. You're like, that's, that's right. a boundary. Like you, you're, you're not going to see my kids on my page. And that's, that's another boundary. Um, but that doesn't mean that real life isn't happening, you know, from which, from what you don't see or based on what you don't see. And so, yeah, I just think like boundaries is so tough from that Christian or faith perspective, because at least for me, and I, and I'm sure that there are others who can relate to this. It's been like this guilt thing and, you know, and, and we're conditioned to be martyrs and, you know, be like Jesus. And I'm like, uh, but you know, he, this is something my co-host Lindsay said on our podcast about this. Like, if you're looking for boundaries for an example, it's in the scripture. Like Jesus got in the boat and was like, I'm getting away from you people. Uh-huh. And I'm getting away to pray. And and I'm, I'm getting away. That's right. You know, but so certain true. like Christian traditions only want to see like the martyr Jesus and we should all so follow true. in that footstep. And how dare we say no? How dare we not be a doormat for the Lord? Right. <laughs> like, how dare That's we right. tell people, you know, and then, then that leads into a whole other thing where words like reconciliation get all twisted up and stuff and forgiveness get all misused and abused. And Mm. I don't believe in holding or harboring unforgiveness. I do want to be free from any of that. And and I ask the Lord repeatedly to help me in that area because I'm still working on it with some people, but that is very different than saying, because we both love Jesus, you have to have me in your life, even if that's I'm right. harming that's you. Right. you know, and that's a big boundary. Like I'm not, you're not in my boundary. life anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a big boundary. And and again, that's not anything that should be taken lightly. It's not about just cutting people out just because, you know, the sky is blue and you don't feel like it one day, <laughs> but it is protecting uh, yourself, protecting your heart, yourself. Your that's right. And then that's also right. it, it helps to be able to have boundaries because it helps you to not only protect yourself, but it helps you to love other people well. 
you know, the people who are in your life, because if I'm depleted, if I don't have boundaries up, then I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I'm feeling beat down. I'm tired all the time. I'm grumpy. You know, I'm stressed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I'm feeling mm -hmm. like that today, but that's okay. I'm working through it. <laughs> oh, I hate to hear that, Patty. <laughs> but, oh. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's just, it's just like a busy time of, of year. Uh, but I also know that I need to sometimes just say, do less or say right. no to certain things. But when you take care of you, then you can love others well too. You know, your family, your immediate family, I think is who always gets the brunt of like what you take out on them. Um, but also like friends, like I want to show up for my friends. That's right. And I think as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, that's a big sign. Maybe we need to have firmer boundaries if we are feeling depleted and stressed mm -hmm. out and angry and all of those things. Like, okay, what are the boundaries that I need to set with myself right now? That can be a red flag that they need to be set. I do think, um, like, I love the nap ministry so much because she like preaches to me and I feel convicted all the time. I do believe that in particular as, as black women, there's this lie that says we can never rest. Like we have to carry, we have to shoulder the burden, wear it all on our back, be strong for everyone, show up, do 10 times more than everyone, you know, be, be so mindful of, of, of how we present ourselves and all the things to just, you know, prove our worth to a society that rejected us from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, and then that gets ingrained and internalized in ways that, that we don't feel like we are worthy of rest. We need to rest. And it is so hard for me. And I, this is not a lesson I want to learn the hard way. I already have multiple times, but I'm like, okay, maybe I'm 40 now. I'm going to get it. Like, I don't want to, to wait until like, you, like, you know, I was just saying that I'm at the end of myself feeling all of these, these things, these signs that were already pointing in that direction and then say, I'm out of gas. So now I'm going to rest. No, like rest is, is a gift and should not be a luxury. And I know that's also comes with a level of privilege because there are people who just can't where they are in their, in their life. But if you can, and particularly black women who are listening, don't, don't shame yourself for resting. You don't have to be all things to all people. And, and, and couple that with, if you were someone who is wanting to speak up and speak out, know that you don't carry it alone. Like do what you, don't let anyone stop you from doing what you feel like you need to do. But when you need to take a step back, it's okay. Like we got you. Right. And, Especially and this month, this yes. month of Christmas mm -hmm. coming in the holidays when so much can be piled, yes. piled on your plate. So one of the things that Monica and I talked about yesterday that's still fresh on my mind is this unbecoming to become. And that's a big thing that Monica talks about. And so I'm just thinking about you and listening to you and wondering what labels have you had to intentionally drop on yourself that people have put on you in the last couple of years, the last 10 years, maybe in your thirties that you going in your forties, you're like, I'm not, I'm not wearing that label anymore. I'm not wearing this label of what, what they've said. And maybe it's like an expectation of being a strong black woman, or maybe it's something negative of like, she's just angry. I mean, I don't know what labels you've, you've worn on yourself, but that you're just intentionally like, I'm not wearing them anymore. Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the thought that I am too much is one that I'm shedding uh, because when I fit into a particular box, I wasn't too much. But then when I was finding like that was part of like what was so disorienting where I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling more me than I have in years. And, and as I, and I, as I find my way back to myself, that's when I'm getting this pushback and this resistance mm -hmm. from people who have claimed that they love me and value me and want to, want to see me flourish. Yeah. And, and so uh, to, to let go of that, that lie that I'm too much, mm -hmm. I'm not too much for the right people. I'm, right. I'm not too much for, for being empathetic and, and being heartbroken and being, in this place of lament, <laughs> as mm -hmm. often as I find myself, I'm not too much for, for speaking up and speaking out and for doing so in my way. No, that's not too much. It's not too much to tell the truth. 
And also that I don't, no one's asking me to be perfect. I mean, this is, gosh, a lifelong, even when I was a kid, I remember on, on rough drafts of English papers, me using whiteout because there was something in me that like never wanted to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so as an adult, like just still shedding off those layers and, and knowing that I can still do this and be totally imperfect. No one said right. I was like, I'm not out here trying to be perfect. <laughs> That's right. No, we talked like, about that yesterday of living. Like that was one of mine as well. Like living up to that. Oh, she's the perfect wife and Christian mom and whatever. And you, even those good things, like living up to that, like that causes so much undone stress yes. and expectation and people pleasing exactly. ourselves. So we're, we're yeah. going to let that go. Okay. We're gonna let that go. that go. Cause it's we're... too much work and it's, it's deeply rooted in, in white supremacy. <laughs> and yes. it is so ridiculous. Like it's yes. so, it's so ridiculous that, you know, and that's something that whiteness will want to hang over you. Well, well, you, you have to be perfect or else your voice doesn't count or mm-hmm. else you, you can't get a seat at the table or you can't be entered into the room or we yeah. can't take you seriously. And, and there, and if you're hung up on that, you're, you're missing it. And I'm saying that to myself. So I'm like trying to be un- mm, you're like, to me too. I'm listening. Like I don't, I'm not too much. I, I, nobody's asking me to be perfect. And you know, I go through, I think ebbs and flow with that particular one, because I have times where I'm like, yeah, like this is good me and all my flaws. And then times where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I made a mistake and I ruined everything. And now everyone hates me. And I'm like, keep reminding each other. Okay. We'll be accountability partners in the new year with this one. All right. Like, no, why? mess up. You're fine. Yeah. And I, I would say third, the third thing, um, I just thought of this is that I'm taking off the label of token. Like I Aww. like, get me out of your little token black friend box. Mm, like I'm, good. I'm not, I'm not the one. And that's like, good. I'm definitely not, tr- mm-hmm. not trying to be <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Like it is just, again, I am a black woman. We're not a monolith. Uh, but okay. if there's any part of you that is accepting me because I fit into this mold of like the acceptable Negro, the the good black yeah. woman, the one who's articulate and sa- and doesn't say things in a way that like that other wink, wink black woman did like miss me with all that. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to first of all, you're not going to pit me against another black woman. Second of all, I'm not here to be your token so that you can make me the standard of what you think blackness ought to be. Like but I've you've had been to- there. You've done that. You've done that. I have. I've been there. Yeah. I've done that. I've, I've been in that role and I've looked back and been like, dang, <laughs> yeah. like I was, I was the token. And there are times where, you know, again, like my own, like internalized racism that there was even part of me that was like, oh, but it keeps you in the accepted crowds. Like it keeps you, you know, it keeps you like the arms are, are extended to you when mm. you fit into the mold mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the doors close and the unfollows begin and the, the, your, your tone was too much. And all that starts when you start to, to go outside of whatever the that's deviation right. they have in your mind. And I think that's I'm, a good message for any women of color that are listening, like quit being the token, take that label off like, yeah. going forward. That's, that's some great advice because I think you know, so often that's, that's where you find yourself. Did I ever tell you about with Tasha, when we first met and how she was like, well, I don't want to be, I think she said that to John or Grace. Well, I just don't want to be her token black friend. And they were like, well, she actually has no friends right now. Do not edit that out, please. <laughs> like, I mean, really, Marcy was like my only friend at that time. And we had been, just been talking online for like a year, but it was like, she actually has no real life friends at the moment. <laughs> so you have to be a friend. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so oh, yeah. funny. So you that's know, true I, though, because I don't, like I said, I don't want to be like the white woman's token friend that it's like, but see, look, like I've got a black friend, so I can't be racist. Like, stop it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That's right. You're not doing that anymore. (laughs) Okay. So I'm looking at the time, Patty, and I have like one more kind of bigger, broader question because I want to circle around to your post. So I had the, again, honor privilege of being with you in Atlanta when you took that picture in front of that little cement wall that said Black Lives Matter. And you were like, this is where two years ago I took Took, took a picture here and I was like, oh, trying to get the nerve up to post it. It was my final post of that year. So 2019 mm-hmm. uh, and a ton of fear. You said in your post, a ton of fear kept me from being really vocal. You posted that picture in 2019. And then two years later, took the same picture in front of that. So what would you tell knowing all that's transpired? What would you tell that girl two years ago that took that picture and posted it? If you could, Ooh. yeah. 
Yeah. You and these big questions, but I love them. <laughs> you I know. know what? That, that moment was so surreal because I actually hadn't been back to that particular area in two years mm-hmm. at all. And so, um, it just hit me like, wait, this is familiar. And my goodness. Yeah. Ending that year, I posted a handful of times on my page. I just started my page that year and I posted a handful of times <laughs> and every, every post felt so scary. It felt terrifying mm-hmm. to push that publish button. And I would tell, you know, that 2019 version of me that, uh, you were braver mm-hmm. and wiser and kinder and passionate and more empathetic and tender and bolder than you ever thought you were. Mm -hmm. Give yourself more credit. You are already a phenomenal black woman and you don't have to prove that to anybody. If you don't do another thing, if you don't post another thing, if you don't speak up or speak out in a particular way, it doesn't diminish who you are, but keep going because this is in you and don't let anybody stop you. And it's going to be worth it. Even with the loss, even with the pain, even with the broken heart, it's going to be restored again. And it's worth it to keep going. There's so much good ahead of you. I mean, I could not have imagined the friends that I have now and how there's like, my goodness, I, I don't think I was loving myself enough to have accepted the, the friendships and the things that I was accepting. And my goodness, how much was I diminishing myself and my, my gifts and my talents and I even cringe a little bit as I said that, because there's still this part of me that's like, you know, it's so weird talking about yourself, but I never thought I would be writing a course for Sesame Street. Like I never thought like the year before I became a co-host for Upside Down Podcast, they interviewed Latasha Morrison. And I was so jealous because she is like my, like in my head, mentor, idol. She's doing the work that I want to do doing it so well. She's an incredible woman. Oh, I just missed it. I really wanted to interview her, but I, I joined a season later. Who knew that I would be hired to work with Be The Bridge mm-hmm. and we'll all be together doing a week-long training next week. And I'm like, who knew? Right, right. <laughs> who knew? But none of this really would have happened if I had said no. I mean, and just within a couple of years time frame, Patty, posting a picture saying yes, owning your voice, owning all of you. Your story is an inspiration, Patty, and you are an inspiration. You're just such a a beautiful (laughs) human. I just love you. I wish I could reach out and hug you right now. Same. I wish I could be with you for your birthday. Can we just like plan to be together for everybody's birthday? I know. You know, (laughs) Tasha is going to Atlanta on Thursday and probably going to meet up with Monica. And I'm like, I looked at tickets because I'm like, maybe I do just want to be there this weekend, but it just can't happen. I'm like, oh, I can't this year. My 50th, Patty. Okay. That's going to be oh, a big one. And I'm not saying that that's like our last celebration, our next celebration, but we'll plan on a 50th for me too. Yeah, for um, sure. Okay. We're going to wrap up and wrap up the podcast, but we might chat a minute. I love you, Patty. Thank you for love this you. conversation so today. Much. Oh my gosh. I could keep chatting with you, but I just want you to know how, how just much I appreciate your work, your voice, just all of you, Patty. I feel the same way about you. This conversation is one I was looking forward to because I got to share with my friend where I am in my journey. That's really special to me. Be sure to check out the show notes for this conversation at HerStorySpeaks.com. There you can find the links for the Upside Down podcast that Patricia co-hosts, as well as the recent anti-racism course she wrote for Sesame Street. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Her Story Speaks podcast.